0: This morning, we have a a special guest with us today. Many of you know him as First John. That's what I was told when I first got here. That made me Second John, I think. But uh, for those of you who do not know First John, his name is uh, Pastor John Hostedler. He was the interim pastor here at Countryside Covenant Church for what, about a year?
1: About a year, yeah. About
0: a year. Uh, before I got here. So I called him up uh, last week or a week ago, two weeks ago, and asked him if he would be willing to come and share God's Word with us, and he accepted. So we're glad to have him here uh, with us to share God's Word. So Pastor John.
1: Well, you're not Second John anymore. He's the kingpin, right? All right. (laughs) Just a pin. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor John, thank you so much for this opportunity today. To, uh, to share God's word. Isn't it great how God works in our lives and uh, from where we were in the beginnings that we had to where we are today? I hope and pray and, my, and trust that God has impacted your life and uh, you have come to know him, not just in a religious way uh, but in a, or a denominational way, but in a personal, relational way. Because he wants to be the God of your life, uh, every day, all day long, and uh, it's a marvelous and to me how God works His uh, amazing grace uh, in our lives. It was a—I'm going to start out with a little story here this morning, just to kind of loosen you up a little bit. Um, not that you're tight or anything—I don't mean that—but God driving down the street and he sees this sign and said talking dog for sale you've heard this haven't you no talking dog for sale so he drives down he's going yeah right a talking dog for sale that's just stupid and so but he gets curious so he turns around and comes back pulls in the driveway knocks on the door and the guy says really you have got a talking dog for sale a talking dog he said yes sir he said you want to go out back and talk to him I said, sure, why not? So he goes, follows the guy around the side. There's this huge fenced in yard, and this dog comes running over, puts his paws up on the fence, on the gate, and says, How you doing? And the man says, You can talk. He says, Well, yes, I can. He says, Well, how come I've never heard of you as being a talking dog? He said, Well, I've worked undercover for the CIA. And forever in uh, many other intelligence organizations as an informant, he said, I can get into places nobody can go and I can give them feedback. He said, I have been to every country in the, in the world. I have been to every city in every country, every major city in every country in the world. I have been everywhere. The guy goes, man, that's, that's totally amazing. Talking dog. And so he asked the guy, he says, How much you want for him? He said, Ten bucks. He said, Ten dollars? Why so cheap? Uh, he said he's a liar. He hasn't been out of the yard.
0: <laughs> so,
1: okay. With that, I want to share a passage of scripture with you, and uh, from Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty-six through thirty and thirty-seven. It says, "Seeing the people, Jesus is is moving around people because he loves people. He wants to be where people are. We can learn something from that. He's very social." Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Let's pray. Father, you are the Lord of the harvest, and we come before you right now to ask that you would stir our hearts and send us out into the harvest field. Let, them see, let us see the harvest field the way that you do. Share with us this morning your heart for the lost. And uh, Lord, stir us up today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, the past few years, uh, since I've retired several times, <laughs> I've had the opportunity to uh, help a local farmer with, uh, with the farming and the harvest time, and uh, some, some planting time, but uh, the harvest time is a special time. And so I'm running the grain cart for the first uh, for the first year. And green cart drivers, if you are the combine guy, you're you know you need to pay you need to have you need to love your combi- your you need to love your green cart driver and appreciate them more because you know what I mean. <laughs> they are special people. It's easy to drive the combine. <laughs> But we get blamed for getting stuck in the mud because you fill the cart too full. And so, uh, anyway, what, one of the joys was not only grain cart driving after I got the hang of that, um, but driving the semi and bringing the grain into West Con or to Poet. My first experience with driving the semi in there was seeing all the, all the other uh, semis parked in there and ready to unload. And the joy that was in all of them, uh, you know, they were they were polite, and they let you go, and everybody takes their turn and unloading and weighing in, and and the joy that everybody had—it's harvest. And I, I have to tell you the truth—I'm sitting in the in the cab, and I began to weep. And the reason I was weeping is that I was hoping nobody'd see me, you know, because I'm supposed to be a tough truck driver at that point. So I'm weeping, and I'm thinking about god our father and and how he loves the harvest and how he rejoices at one person that comes to that comes to the lord and it, it occurred to me that all of the all of the joy that the farmers were feeling because at last all of our sowing and all of our field work and all of our all of our planning and all of everything that we had to do culminates right now in this season well, we're going to bring in this grain and we're going to get it in the, we're going to get it in and we're going to, we're going to make some money here but we're, the harvest is so precious to the farmer and I, it struck me how precious the harvest is to our heavenly father how precious each one of you are in his sight and um, the scriptures are full of of word pictures that Jesus gives in parables, using the things that are seen to help us understand the things that are not seen. And, and one of those pictures is the, the picture of God being a farmer. And, and he's a cowboy, too, he loves cattle. Hogs, not so much, but cattle, he's, uh, he's uh, really into the cattle and he's a, he's a farmer. So one of, the, one of the first parables that we've, we find in Mark chapter 41 is the, the seed that's sown. And a, someone went out and got into his bag of seed and he's throwing seed and he doesn't care where it's going because he's, he's sowing into people, he's sowing into this world. And he's not, he doesn't care where it's sown because in the, in the seed is the word of God. And the parable explains a little bit later, the seed is the word of God and so the word of God just goes out. And it, it has no respecter of persons, it's just sown out. And, and, and God sows it. Our responsibility is to sow that seed and the Holy Spirit gives it life and it, it takes root in us, doesn't it? And eventually, and you might be a knothead here this morning or you remember the time that you were a knothead and your wife can just bump you right now and say, yeah, I remember that. But you were, you were a knucklehead at one time and you was just hard-headed and you couldn't get the seed in you and know, suddenly something happened. And maybe it was some kind of crisis in your life like it was in, in my life. Something happened that, that turned you and all of a sudden the, the word of God became the power of God that transformed your life. And you fell so in love with God's word that you couldn't, you couldn't put it down. You just loved it and you just had to read it and you were in it all the time and you were getting filled up with seed and then you were so excited about the potential and the possibility of being a co-laborer with God to literally go out and sow what you've, what's been sown in your heart and sow it to other people. Quiet in here. (laughs) That's what happens. That's what God does in us. We find something that's worth sharing and we share it with people. I love to share the Word of God with people. I've tried to find opportunities that I can share the Word of God. With every single question they ask, I, I ponder,, Now, I'm not always instantaneous, especially as I'm getting older because I've got to think about it for a while. Sometimes it takes me two hours, and I have to call them back and say, this is what I was thinking. But somebody asked me the other day, said, what's new? And I thought about that. I well, God's mercies are new every morning. How about you? Have you experienced God's mercies? It helps people to get to thinking about that there's more to it than just, hey... What's new? How you doing? What's going on? You know, those are kind of those are the kind of things that we can use to just sow the seed in people's lives on a daily basis. And so Jesus explains this parable of the sower in Mark chapter four. I'm not going to read that passage, but you you've heard it so many times. Some are sown on the hard path, as are those hard heads, the knuckleheads like, like me. And as soon as they hear it, now they hear it, but it doesn't. Doesn't do a thing for them. Maybe they're just, you know, into whatever they're into, and they're hard-headed and hard-hearted, and it's so worn down and beat on and stepped on that the path is just a place where people have stomped on it so much that nothing makes sense to them. And God's word is sown on that, and right away the devil comes along. Jesus explains it, it says the devil comes along and steals that word right from them. And then he said, "There's some on the rocky soil that uh, that grew up quick." but they die just as fast <laughs> due to the afflictions and persecutions. When you come to know Christ, there will be people, and sometimes even in your own family, that will challenge that relationship that you have with Jesus and tell you that you're kind of crazy and you're, you become one of those crazy disciples of Christ, huh? You know, as long as you're religious, you're okay. As long as you attend a church, you're okay. But if you get fired up for God... I guarantee you and you start sharing the gospel with people and you you, you get into God's word and you you have time in prayer and that's weird a lot of church people think that that's weird no that's a normal life for a believer, for a disciple of Christ but there's a lot of people that think well that's just weird you're over the top, you become one of them Jesus freaks so be a Jesus freak will you? Get fired up about the things that God has done, and then some are among the thorns. And then we find a lot of people that that happens to today. You, you know, they come in, they they get excited about Jesus for a little while. They get excited about the Word, and they're pumped up, they're fired up. They go to a Bible study, and then pretty soon, they get distracted. And man, there's there are a lot of distractions today, isn't there? We get distracted with. We can't even have family relationships anymore because everybody's got... We were in a restaurant the other day, and we sat there, and a family of six came in, mom and dad and four kids. And everybody had their phone, even dad, waiting for their meal. Like, no, I'm not opposed to technology. I'm just saying, could we just talk? Could we just do something other than play a game, a video game? Is that what we do today? Is that—is that it? Is that the extent of our, of our life together of our communication so a lot of distractions so those are thorns and he says that those come in and they choke out the word and so it never bears any fruit hear that it never bears any fruit it doesn't go anywhere it's word that, that, that's sown it's the word of God the very power of God is his word it's sown into a heart but it's killed it stops something stops it and so I want to speak to us today to, in hopes that God will stir that up again if it's died off in you. Now I know that you, I'm not really talking to this church today. I've prepared this for another church. But I thought I'd just deliver it here today anyway because it was what was on my mind, okay? So it's not about you. Then you can just pass it on to somebody else. Then he said there's a good soil that this fell on that's what you are they hear it, they accept it they just accept it they hear it, they accept it they follow it they're like thy kingdom come like we pray all the time right is it just memory that we read thy will be done in my life on earth and in my heart just like it is in heaven God you own me I'm bought with a price, I'm no longer my own. I don't, I don't have the privilege of saying I'll do this or that without permission from my father. Isn't that good news? That takes all the stress out of life, I'm telling you. When you're under the authority of Almighty God, that's pretty cool. He says, and that's good soil, and from that soil it produces fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Wow. So what does God want from my life? Well, he wants to sow the seed into my heart, and how I respond to that seed tells me what condition my heart is in. If my heart is the good soil, it will be producing fruit. It will be harvesting. It will be doing the work that God has called me to do. You know, people struggle with identity. They just they struggle today with, you know, what's my purpose? It's like really. <laughs> What's my purpose? I mean, if you have to ask that, if you've been a believer for a couple of years, there's something wrong with you. What's my purpose? Your purpose is to seek and save the lost. That's what the purpose of Christ was. And so we're going to talk about how that takes place today. Your purpose is to have a heart that's prepared for not only the seed in you, but to share that seed, to be a sower of that seed, to be a sower of that word to other people. So the seed is the word of God and what I do with that seed shows what my heart or what my soil what am, what am I made of? So as I said God's word transforms my heart to his heart and I hope that that's taken place in you. See that's the transformation between religion and relationship is when God's word changes your heart to his heart. Not changing your heart to your denominational traditions but changing his, my heart to his heart. They become connected. That's relationship. That's what God longs for in all of us. That has to take place. All right, so what's the heart of God? Well, the heart of God is the harvest. That's plain and simple, isn't it? All through Scripture, you'll find the word harvest in, in the parables about harvest. He is, people are the harvest, to be clear. And hasn't God sown so much seed into this world? and watered it with such great love that he deserves the harvest that belongs to him. doesn't belong to you. I used to think when I got saved and I was sharing the gospel with people that I had to have, I had a glory gun with notches in it because, you know, the people that I led to Jesus, you know. And now that's wrong. Or the number of people that I can get into, pack into the church, or the number of people that I can preach to on Sunday. Nah, it's about the kingdom of God. It's not about me, it's not about the church, it's not about our denomination, it's not about any of those things, it's about God's harvest and His kingdom. If I will be kingdom-minded, here's what I, I've learned in 40 plus years of ministry, if I'm kingdom-minded, God will grow everything, He will do everything that I need to have done. If I'm kingdom-minded, if I'm church-minded, and I'm, and I'm going, well, I want to I add more people to my church, that can happen, but wrong motive. The motive is God I want your heart, my heart to be connected because I want to be as interested in the harvest as you are. It's your kingdom that I'm concerned about, not mine. Not my glory but yours. That's hard for us to do as people because we want <laughs> glory for us, right? And God's not interested in sharing his glory with me at all. Trust me. Alright, so God has thrown a lot of seed into the world. He's watered it with his love. It's only fitting that it receives the crop. And Jesus is telling the disciples that's us, that the harvest is big. It is huge. And he longs for the crop. And the problem was that religion in Jesus' day wasn't doing the job. And i got to tell you that it's not doing the job today either because I talked to pastors and parishioners and people from all different denominations. I've I have the privilege, and I don't know why God gives me the privilege to be able to share with with uh people from uh, even lutherans and and i'm um, I'm just having fun with you, okay um, they they asked that you know why are the churches not growing why are they why are they dying why are you know what's wrong? what do we need to do different? maybe if we had different music that'd do it. maybe if we had a different pastor, that would do it, and you had the best pastor. Uh, I mean, God sent a man to you from Massachusetts. His name was John. And uh, what a great name you have! That's just fantastic. But he's a he's a good man for you, and uh, there's no doubt about that. I know you know it. But we can't. We keep searching for something that's going to uh, combine the harvest fields, and the harvest fields of God's kingdom can't be combined. Now there's some events that we can do that we can attract, like Lifelight just had a big event. But the reality is, is that I've seen them come and I've seen them go, and the events usually die out. And it was a splash, it was a flash in the pan, and it was wonderful. But you now look can go. Okay, where's the fruit from that? Uh, are we following up on any of these people? <laughs> who, who who came to Jesus? Who didn't? Who where where are they? Where are they going? And, and so that bothers me a little bit. I don't know why it bothers me, but it does. But but we need to be a people that are interested in the harvest, not only to sow the seed, but interested in, in harvesting that. And that's a one-on-one deal. You can't combine that. It takes time to do that. It takes involvement in somebody's life. It takes relationship. Melissa and I recently... Uh, we were able to go to Arizona last year for three months. We've been going down for the last five years for a week or two weeks or three weeks a month and then last year for three months and then this year we're heading down in October and we're staying for six months. We ain't coming back till the snow is totally gone. You can call me. Just tell me how it is. I'll call you and get some uh, maybe a weather report. You can come and visit us. You can't stay very long but you can come and visit us. <laughs> <laughs> but we had the opportunity to go down there and while we were there we, uh, we ended up leasing a a place in a park. Uh, Happy Trails to you. You ever heard of Roy and Dale? I don't know. You you younger ones go, who? (laughs) Anyway, Happy Trails is an RV park. Anyway, we rented a place there. And the reason we did is because I, I saw so many people. There's thousands of people there in the wintertime. They're snowbirds. And they come from all over, even Canada. Hawaii, Australia, I mean they come from all over, and they stay there in that park for a month, two months, three months and as I talked with them i I began to realize that they had a knowledge uh, they didn't have a true knowledge of God they had a, some of them had a zeal for God they they believed in God, what they really didn't have a relationship with him, now we're talking older people, you have to be fifty five and above to be there, so i I, I qualify, and so i'm thinking. You know what am I gonna? Since I quit pastoring last uh, December, I'm thinking, well, 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 okay, what do you got for me? You know, where are we going from here? And so I really believe that God laid that on my heart and a message from His Word in in uh, Romans chapter 10. It says they have a zeal for God, but without the true knowledge. Of course, He's speaking of Israel. But I thought that's true. They have religion. They have denominationalism. Because you just ask him if you're die today, and you're going to go to heaven. Why are you going? Well, because I'm I'm a denomination, or I, you know, played the church piano, or some kind of reason that we give to be able to enter into eternal life. And Jesus is usually left out of the equation. So that bothers me. I don't know why it does, but it just does. It just bothers me. So I, so I began to, uh, began to share with the people around us, and I, I found out that you know they were really interested in that relationship that they didn't really know you could have that God wants to be in your heart he wants his word in you and he doesn't want you just drying up like a prune no matter what age you are he has work for you to do and uh, so we found it there so anyway we're excited to go back long story short all right. in Jesus' day the religious, uh, were are doing it and of course that's uh, what Jesus always had a problem with was with the religious crowd and, uh, but it says here in our text that he saw the crowds like sheep without a shepherd he knew that they were needy, sheep are, are needy, anybody have sheep? Sue you got what goats? you just need to get some sheep <laughs> yeah about, uh, about the time they're fat I would like to have one yes um, all right, so he, Jesus identifies the harvest as people in need, and, and the thing is, the very first thing that Jesus did, the very first person he really, you know, led to himself, so to speak, was the woman at the well. And um, you know, we have a lot of problems in our country. Um, it seems like we should be getting some help someplace, um, and this is the kind of help that we need and let's, let's turn in your Bibles if you would don't turn them in but just look in there look in your Bible to John chapter 4 and we'll read about this, this account of Jesus and the woman at the well in Samaria and I'm going to pick it up at verse 7 John chapter 4 verse 7 there came a woman of Samaria to draw water and Jesus said to her give me a drink for his disciples had gone away "...into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans." And that's the key right there. That Jesus was willing to have dealings with those that other people would not have dealings with. And so the story goes on. And uh, Jesus answered her and said, "...to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. But she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get, where then do you get this living water?" You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you who gave us the well? And as it goes on, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give them shall never thirst, but the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. Did you catch that word picture? It's a well that springs up to eternal life. It's not just a Oh, yeah, I just believe in Jesus. I receive Jesus. No, it's a well of living water that the Holy Spirit just brings up and flows out of the believer. All of us as disciples of Christ can have that spring of living water. and We should. And he said, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water. You see, they're thirsty for that. They don't want religion. I don't want, you know, I don't don't want some religious rules and regulations. I want living water. I want something that's going to touch my very spirit and change my life. That's what people need. And you know what? They need that today. And Jesus is meeting this woman's need. He's meeting with her, but nobody else would touch her. The reason that she's getting water by herself is because nobody wanted to be around this woman. And goes on. He said to her, go call your husband, come here. And the woman answered and said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said to her, you have you've said correctly, I don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. And the one whom you are now with is not your husband. And this you've said truly. Now, he's not condemning her, but he's telling her the truth. And oftentimes, when you're sharing with people who live in this world, it's just lived. I mean, we just live in sin and wickedness, and we just go ahead and go on our own way, living together. We're doing things that are outside of the boundaries of God's Word. Nobody says nothing. Because maybe we're afraid that, oh, we don't want to condemn that person. He's, he didn't condemn her. He's just telling her the truth. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with now isn't your husband. But he didn't say, so that just keeps you, for, you and me apart. He's just telling her the truth you have to deal with the truth of God's word the woman said to him sir I perceive that you're a prophet I mean uh, skirting out from underneath the the pressure there wasn't she our fathers worshipped in this mountain and you people say that there it is that you people thing right you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship Jesus said to her woman believe me an hour is coming and is now here that neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father you worship what you do not know. You worship what we know. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ, and when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, "I, I who speak to you am he. That's what transforms us. I can speak to you, I can share the word of God to you, but it's when the Holy Spirit makes the word alive in you and in me that life is transformed. And so at this point, then the disciples come. They're amazed that he's been talking to this woman. And uh, why are you why are you talking with her? So a woman leaves her water pot, and she goes into the city, and she says to the men, come and see. So she becomes a witness, right? She's so excited about meeting the Messiah that guess what she does? No, just she just gets it. I mean, it's amazing to me. Here's one of these lost sheep that Jesus comes to, not with some kind of religious format or not condemnation, not judgment at all, but just says, I'm one. And she goes in and she starts telling everybody that she's just met the one. That's our role, to be just like her, to tell people that we come in contact with about what we have. Now, If you don't have anything, you do not going to say anything, right? And maybe that's why people don't share the gospel very much, is because they don't know what they have. So, rest of the story one more point here they, they went out in the city they were coming to him meanwhile the disciples were urging him saying Rabbi eat and this is what he said but he said to them I have food to eat that you do not know about so the disciples were saying to one another no one brought him anything to eat but Jesus said to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work it's Labor Day weekend we have work to do my work is to do my food is to do the work that he's called me to and to finish it, to keep going so do not say there are yet four months and then comes a harvest there's the harvest word again behold I say to you lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already for harvest, so we don't have to wait for the sole harvest for the corn, yeah I get it, for the beans yeah I get that, we have to do a little waiting yet before that's ready to go but right now there are too many people that need christ for us to say well maybe later i'll get with god's program so the harvest is our father's heart and it's ripe and it's ready we don't have a labor problem excuse me we don't have a management problem in the kingdom we have a labor problem when you see all the signs when you go around i know it's because of the times that we're living in but we've made it so simple for people to do nothing and you go around and you see all the signs that says help wanted, help wanted, help one. I'm going, where are the help? Because there's still as many people. There's even more people. And they're flooding the, the, our nation with people. And I'm okay with that because it's just opportunities for more and more people to hear the gospel. That maybe in the countries that they were in, they couldn't hear the gospel. Now they can. if God's people called by his name will just humble themselves and pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers in that harvest field so I don't have a problem with flooding the borders or wherever they're coming from, bring them on if we won't go there, God's going, okay I'll send them to you but I'm going to send them to you because they need me they don't need judgment and condemnation and criticism they need Christ, just like you do just like I do our prayer is, Jesus said pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up compassionate laborers who are willing to go to work and scripture tells us that, for the for the believer anyway, if you don't work, you don't eat. Maybe our politicians could learn something from that. But Jesus sees the people like sheep without a shepherd. They're distressed and they're, feer, they're fearful. And he feels compassion for them. And again, Jesus is relational. He's not religious. Uh, the story goes on about the Samaritan. You remember him, the, the priest came by a Samaritan or the man was going down the road from Jericho uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho and and he was beaten up and left for dead stripped and left for dead and here comes the religious here comes religion walking on by sees him across the road I don't want to be involved with that keeps right on moving next guy was a, a Levite he comes by sees him one of the translations says he actually walked over and looked at him and says Peace moves on. And there's a Samaritan, hated by the Jews. Another Samaritan. And he comes along and he walks over, looks at the guy, pours oil and wine into his wounds to soothe the wounds, takes him, loads him up on his donkey, takes him to the inn, and says, Take care of him. If I owe you anything more, when I return, I'll pay you back and I think the inn is the church really you know but it takes people who are willing to see the harvest fields with compassion and begin to share with them to do something more than compassion not only just sees the need but it does something about it and so you see the need and you meet the need it might cost you something it's going to cost you some time it might cost you some money but it's worth it because it's the harvest. And that's what you're sent to do. That's what I'm sent to do. So there are people that need Christ and whatever it takes to bring them to Christ, that's our, that's our involvement. And hope. That's the message, really. And here we are at the age that we're in. And I'm 74 here this month. That's not old. Some of you are a lot older than that. <laughs> However... I think about that, I'm going, you know, God, life has changed for me. Um, we, uh, we, have, we have ailments. <laughs> it takes me longer to get up in the morning, okay? And uh, it hurts. I'm not laying in the right position. That's when you go to go see Sandy, because she gets them worked out of you, them sore muscles. But you know what? The scripture that keeps coming back to my mind is about the laborers who were in town and the owner of the field came into town one morning and he hired some laborers and he said, go out and work in the field. So they got up and left. He comes in a little later on, like at 9 o'clock in the morning, and It's still some. He said, go out in the field and work. They went out and worked. And he found some at noon, some at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and believe it or not, even some at 5 Late, late in their years, late in the day, he said, "Go out and work in the field." What are you doing standing around? And I, and that, that those scriptures touch me because as we grow older, we give all, we have all kinds of excuses. Why not? And God's going, "What are you doing standing around here?" It reminds me when, when Jesus left the planet, when the disciples were gazing up into heaven. An angel comes along, and said, What are do you doing know, standing around here gazing up? And we do that, we just gaze up, waiting for Jesus to come back. Oh, he'll straighten it out when he comes back. No, you, well, yeah, he will, but you got work to do while he's before he gets back. So, a message to you this morning, thank you, Pastor John, is get busy. Laborers in the harvest field, that's what he's looking for. And if you start praying, here's a dangerous prayer for you. Of all the prayers that you can pray, is to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth a worker. Because eventually, he will tap you on your shoulder, and you'll have to say, here am I, Lord. Send me. So, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, thank you, I pray, that you stir our hearts today to hear it, to put it into practice To be like Isaiah, who saw you high and lifted up, and then his own sins were removed, and then he heard you say, who will go? And then Isaiah said, here am I, Lord. Send me. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. Jesus Christ is Lord of the harvest. And the harvest, as Pastor John said, is people. He loves the harvest. Like the farmer loves his harvest at harvest time. Jesus loves the harvest. He loves people. And he wants you and I, who are have already been harvested, if you will, as believers in Jesus Christ, in joining him in the work of harvesting people who don't know Jesus. In the school that you go to, in the place where you work, in our communities, he wants us to help him, help wanted, in gaining a harvest, harvesting a crop of people, because he loves them, and he wants us to love them. And if the one who loves them is in you, then you must love what he loves, the harvest. It is interesting, he wants us to share that which is valuable. Who is more valuable to share than Jesus? Jesus. Is not Jesus the most valuable person, gift, that you can give to people? Just tell them about your experience with Jesus. God could use that to harvest that person to himself. And I say that because that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He was sharing himself, giving of himself, The most valuable gift is Jesus. And Jesus knew it. And he gave himself so that people would know him and experience him in relationship. And with that, we come to the table. Because that's exactly what he does at the table. He gives of himself so that others may partake of who he is. The only reason why there's a harvest is because Jesus Christ is the first fruit of the dead. It's the only reason why. He suffered and died and gave of himself so that we could be harvested and be a partaker of what he's doing in harvesting others who do not know him. So think of that concept when we come to the table that Jesus is going to give of himself a great treasure so that people can know and be harvested by the great harvester and he wants us to partake in that. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then, likewise, he also took the cup he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed so that your sins may be forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? is not the cup that we bless a participation in the blood of Christ brothers and sisters these are the gifts of God for the people of God the table is set all is prepared everything is ready so let us partake together in a moment we're going to partake together of the elements of communion. If you're here for the first time, uh, we here at Countryside Covenant Church celebrate and practice open communion, which simply means if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're more than welcome to participate and join in the communion meal. I just simply ask that you hold on to the elements when you receive them, so that we can partake of them together. I would like now to invite Judy and Linda So, please come forward in the distribution of the elements. Brothers and sisters, the body of Christ, which is broken for you, let us partake together. Brothers and sisters, the blood of Christ that was shed so that our sins may be forgiven. Let us partake and drink together. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for the celebration of life that you have given to us through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you want to use us in working alongside you in gathering a harvest of of people whom you love dearly. Lord, help us to be sensitive to your voice and to the call that you have placed in our lives to reach out to the people who do not know you. Help us to hear that call clearly. Give us strength and faith to follow that call, whatever it may be. Help us to realize the gifts that you have given to each and every single one of us. And help us to cultivate that gift, to work hard in developing that gift, so that it can bring forth much fruit for the honor and glory of your name and for the salvation of those have yet to be saved. It is marvelous and wonderful and amazing that you would want to use us, but you do. You don't need to use us, but you want to. So help us, Lord, to be willing instruments that you could use in sending us out to the harvest. As your son was sent into the world, may you send us as well. And we give you all the glory and the praise and the honor that is due you and you alone. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand, if you are able, for our closing song, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. The lyrics will be on the screen. true, amen? Grace is greater than all our sin. No matter what you have done that was sinful or what you have failed to do, God's grace is greater, right? No matter what. And because we have experienced God's grace, let's be gracious and go out into the field where God has sent us so that we can gather a harvest to God. Amen. Amen. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And all God's people said, "Amen." amen. Now go in peace.